So we give God all the praise. Le damos la gloria y la honra al Señor. At this time, we'd like to invite our children to go to their time of church and discipleship. We're really committed here at Sunrise to make sure that everyone in every age group gets to hear the message of Jesus. Aquí tenemos el compromiso de cada persona, que cada persona podrá escuchar la palabra de Dios. And as we get ready for the word of God, we're going to be reading first in Spanish and then in English from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. Vamos a leer y meditar esta mañana en el libro de Marcos, capítulo 12, versículos 28 al 34. And Pastor Russ Siders will read it for us first in Spanish, and then I will read it in English. Las buenas nuevas de nuestro Señor, Marcos capítulo 12, versículo 28. Uno de los maestros de la ley se acercó y los oyó discutiendo. Al ver lo bien que Jesús les había contestado, le preguntó de todos los mandamientos, ¿cuál es el más importante? El más importante es, oye Israel, el Señor nuestro Dios es el único Señor, contestó Jesús. Ama al Señor tu Dios con todo tu corazón, con toda tu alma, con toda tu mente y con todas tus fuerzas. El segundo es, ama a tu prójimo como a ti mismo. No hay otro mandamiento más importante que estos. Bien dicho, maestro, respondió el hombre. Tienes razón al decir que Dios es uno y, solo, y, eh, y uno solo y que no hay otro fuera de él. Amarlo con todo el corazón, con todo el entendimiento y con todas las fuerzas y amar al prójimo como a uno mismo es más importante que todos los holocaustos y sacrificios. Al ver Jesús que había respondido con inteligencia, le dijo, no estás lejos del reino de Dios. Y desde entonces nadie se atrevió a hacerle más preguntas. Amén. La palabra de Dios. The scripture reading in English is the same passage in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. If you have your Bibles, we want to invite you to come along as uh, we prepare for them to come in the screen behind. But if you have your Bibles, please follow along. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask Him, any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Vamos a orar juntos. Lord, we thank you because you are good. You are gracious. You are kind. Te damos gracias, Señor, porque tú eres bueno. Tú eres misericordioso. Das perdón, Dios Santo. We come before you this morning humbly and open to what you have to say. Open our minds and our hearts to hear your word today. Abre nuestros oídos y nuestros corazones para escuchar tu palabra esta mañana. We've heard you speak, Lord, in these scriptures that were read, and we pray that you would continue to shine your light in us, that we may be your light in the world. That as the video said, we may be your hands and feet here in Tulare, in Visalia, and in the Central Valley, and in the world. Danos, Señor, sabiduría para iluminar tus promesas. Give us, Lord, wisdom and understanding that we may know and be known as people that follow Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been on this series at Imago Church on the Gospel of Mark. Hemos estado en esta serie de enseñanza sobre el libro de Marcos en Iglesia Imago. And really, the, the theme that we've called this sermon series is being on a journey. Every single one of us is on a journey. God meets us right where we're at in that journey and takes us where we need to be. Cada uno de nosotros está en un camino. Cada uno de nosotros está en, un tra en una trayectoria espiritual. And one of the, the things that we've seen here in the Gospel of Mark is that our God is a God of promises. God is the God who he claims to be. And this book, Mark, is very special because it is one of the earliest, if not the earliest account that we have of the life of Jesus People who would gather around and hear the gospel of Mark were people like you and me. At the time, they actually didn't even have a title. People didn't even know what to call them. So they called them Christians because they were people who lived by the promises and teachings of Christ and who were imitators of Jesus. Los cristianos eran gente que eran imitadores de Cristo. Again, many themes in the Gospel of Mark, but one of the key themes that we see is that Mark shows us that Jesus has come not just to conform, but to redefine and reclaim all things. One of the things that Jesus comes to do is what we've been saying at Imago, that Jesus comes to turn things right side up. Sometimes when we're following Jesus, we can feel that our worlds are being turned upside down. But in reality, Jesus is coming to turn things right side up. Jesucristo viene para darnos el punto de vista correcto. Now, we see that once again in this passage. Vemos eso, eso una vez más en este pasaje, where we see Jesus redefining the law and the commandments. So let's jump right into it in the verses that were read. And if we could get the verses in Spanish in the back, that would be fantastic as I read them in English. Voy a leer una vez más versículos 28 al 30, que nos dice esto. Los voy a leer en inglés, pero si los tienen en español, por favor, sigan. 
Verses 28 to 30. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, these scribes that were talking to Jesus, these were people that knew the Bible. They knew the law. They knew the commandments. And in fact, here, what they were referring to in which is the greatest command could have been several things. They could have been referring to what is called the Old Testament Decalogue, to the Ten Commandments, which we read earlier. But they could have also been referring to the laws in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, laws that extend to over 500 laws. But Jesus explains them in just two commandments. And here Jesus is not reducing the law, but he is bringing out the essence of the law and of the commandments that we are to love God and love people. So let's see a little bit of our Bible trivia here. How, how many of us know our commandments? What are the first five commandments in, in the Bible? No other gods before me. It's okay to shout out here. No idols. Lord, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Those first five commandments all have to do with loving God. And then what are the next five commandments? Who remembers? ¿Cuáles son los últimos cinco mandamientos? Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not covet. Do not lie. Do not commit adultery. Those next five have to do with loving people. Love God. Love people. Jesús explica en dos mandamientos. Él no está reduciendo la ley o los mandamientos, sino está sacando la esencia de los mandamientos. Now, Jesus does this. He gives them something new. They're trying to put him in a corner. And friends, let's remember this. Whenever we try to put Jesus in a corner, whenever we want to try to use Jesus or the Word of God to back up what we already believe, Jesus will always present a new way. He will not conform to the corner that we're trying to back him into. Jesus will not, say, will not simply agree that it is this way or that way, but it is a new way. It is God's way. It is the grace way. Now here, in this commandment where Jesus responds, he responds with what would be a prayer that would be familiar to the Hebrew and the Jewish people. And of course, it would have been familiar to the scribes in this passage. Here, Jesus is quoting directly from Deuteronomy 6.4. It's a prayer that was often called in ancient Israel the Shema prayer. And the Shema prayer emphasized the oneness of God. And yes, Jesus was culturally Jewish. And so were all of those that were a part of this conversation. They all were familiar with these words. They were words that they prayed at least twice every single day. Todos en este escenario estaban familiarizados con estas palabras y rezaban estas palabras por lo menos dos veces cada día. So why do they have 
Jesus cornered and questioned. They've been coming at him with question after question after question. Why are they interrogating him in this way? Well, they're interrogating him, friends, because the scribes understand that this is not just another good moral teacher. But they understand that these disciples who are following Jesus are actually following someone very particular. Mark here, the Gospel of Mark, is writing about a particular man who his followers claimed to be Lord. The Greek word for Lord, the New Testament was originally written in ancient Greek, and the Greek word for Lord is kurios. Can you say that word? Kurios? Kurios. If you can roll your R, even better. Kurios. Now, kurios is the Greek word translating to Lord and Master. La palabra kurios en griego es la palabra maestro o señor. And it is notable that here, in the Old Testament translation of Adonai, in the, Bibli- in the biblical Hebrew title of my Lord, given to Yahweh, that is, which is also a name of God in the Old Testament, that is translated as Lord in the New Testament. It is the same word that is being used. That's why they're questioning Jesus. Mark here makes the claim from the beginning of his gospel where he talks about Jesus. He says that Jesus is extraordinary. He is someone that has authority to forgive sin. We see that in the the passage in Mark chapter 2 where the friends bring down that, that paralyzed man through the roof and Jesus forgives his sins, that is something that only God can do. They know that, that Jesus is not just another nice moral teacher, but he is God incarnate. He is the very Lord which they pray the Shema to. He is standing right in front of them, and they don't recognize him. Mark is not talking about the illusion that is very popular in our culture to talk about God in a very vague and general terms or just use phrases like I'm spiritual but not religious without knowing what that means. Mark isn't talking about that. Mark here is talking about good news. He is talking about something different. Not just something different, he is talking about someone different. And the scribes and those around them and those before them knew that knew God in just a vague and general sense. The scribes knew the name of God, but they didn't know God intimately. Then came a man, a man who claimed to be God. This is Jesus. And yet he was not the sort of man that could be dismissed as a lunatic or a liar. But those who followed him came to believe him as Lord, the living God incarnate in the flesh right before them. They met him again, and after he was killed, he rose again from the dead. And after he resurrected, there was this group of people that began to gather together, and that group of people called themselves the church. They were God's family, God's gathered community. And they felt that God's story continued. The story of Jesus continued in and through them, directing directing them, making them new, making them able to do things that they couldn't do before. 
And as these early Christians thought about what just happened, how is it that the living God came to be with us? He died, he rose again, but then he left us his Holy Spirit. It was the early Christians who arrived at the distinctive Christian definition of the Trinity. The Trinity. A personal God. One God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Es por medio de Jesucristo que los cristianos llegaron al entendimiento de la Trinidad. So in other words, the Trinity is a direct fruit of following Jesus. That is how this group of people came to, to realize that this is a key part in essence of who God is. Some of us may be thinking, well, I can't even imagine that. What does that even mean? How can God be one and three at the same time? And if you're thinking that, I just want to say, that's okay. Faith is actually not asking you to imagine it or to make sense of it. But real faith calls us to accept God as God is. And God reveals himself to us in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Dios se revela a nosotros por medio de la Trinidad. Padre, Hijo, y Espíritu Santo. The Trinity is the basis of faith. The oneness of God. The, it is the basis of faith, hope, and love. The God that we worship is an eternal, loving community. El Dios que alabamos está, es, es en esencia una comunidad. Es uno y tres al mismo tiempo. Now, we may resist this concept of Trinity because we can think, I, I, what does that even mean? I can't find an example of that anywhere. We can resist the Trinity because it's not an on our terms. But I want to invite us to actually go a bit further. We get this. We get this whole ideal, idea of one and many at the same time. So for example, we all here know that marriage is between a wife and a husband. These are two individuals that make one marriage. My family is made up of four people. My wife, myself, our two sons. We are four people, but we make one family. Now, I know those aren't perfect examples, but it's just another, ex another example that demonstrates to us that the deepest truths that we often take for granted are actually glimpses of God's reality. All love that we experience is a shadow of what God experiences in the eternal relationship of the Trinity. So we are created in God's image. That means we are created for community. We are created for love. Estamos creados en la imagen de Dios, por eso necesitamos comunidad. In fact... We can go on and turn to this next point that is made in the scriptures, that we are made for love. Love now here in the Gospel of Mark as he describes it. He says that all real love actually starts with this kind of love. You can read it in your, in, in, in your verse, in verse 28 to 30. Real love begins with us loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, 
and with all of our mind. El amor auténtico empieza con amor al Señor, con todo nuestro corazón, con toda nuestra fortaleza de alma y con toda nuestra mente. Some of us here have been coming to church for years upon years, some even decades. Now, I grew up going to church. And when I was a teenager, believe it or not, there were times where I had to be dragged to go to church because I didn't want to. But there were other seasons in my life where I would be excited about going to church and I would be looking forward to being with God's people and hearing God's word. But every once in a while, I would get these moments where I would step back and think. I like to call these holy moments. Or I would step back and think to myself. I would look around at the people that were around me and I would think, hmm, is this really what God had in mind? in gathering his people? Is this the restored and new community, the family of God that the New Testament describes in Scripture? Some of us come to church out of what we feel is a mere duty or an obligation or a tradition. But what God calls us to is to love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Not just with our duty, not just with our tradition, but with all of our hearts. Dios desea que lo, amamos, lo amemos con todo nuestro corazón. An example I can think of is um, about four years ago, it was Valentine's Day. And I got to celebrate with my wife, Charlotte. And I had thought about this plan, this very elaborate plan to surprise her with some roses. And um, she came back early from work, so I didn't have time to put them where I wanted to put them, so I just threw them behind the couch. <laughs> and as Charlotte came and she was getting ready for our dinner date, she actually was uh, walking around the living room and she looked behind the couch and found the roses just lying there. <laughs> and she, uh, all I heard was I was in the hallway, I just heard the words, Oh my goodness! And then I came out to the living room. She didn't care that they were behind the, the couch. She came out and wanted to give me this big affectionate hug. But let me ask you this. What if I would have stopped her right there and have just, had just said, before she was going to hug me, I would have just said, Oh, well, you know, I'm your husband. So I just kind of have to do that. And it's my duty. And today, the calendar says that it's Valentine's Day, so the tradition means that I get you roses on Valentine's Day. So it's a che I check it off the year. And anyway, I went to the store, and they were on sale. They were pretty cheap anyway. I got them at the supermarket. I needed to get some eggs and milk anyway, so I got them. So really, it's not a big deal at all. And I figured that you may need them, so I got them for you. Let me ask you, how do you feel about that story now? It didn't go that way, thankfully. Así no ocurrió. But if it were to happen that way, if someone were to give you flowers that way, would you still want them? Would you still want them with that attitude, with that kind of explanation? The right answer is, no, of course you wouldn't want them. My wife would not want flowers that way 
anymore either. Because she does not just want the flowers, she wants my heart. And without love, my roses and the actions taken to get them are meaningless. It's completely pointless to her. Porque mi esposa en, 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 este, en esta historia, ella no va a querer las rosas con mal actitud. Porque sin amor, mis rosas y las acciones tomadas para obtenerlas no tienen sentido para ella. Y igualmente con Dios, Él quiere nuestro amor. This is similar, friends, to God. He doesn't just want our tradition or our Sunday habit, but He wants our hearts. He wants our love. Could it be that maybe, just maybe, in kind of the, the Rose story, the Valentine story that I told about me and Charlotte, could it be that this is how God feels when we come to church simply because it's Sunday? And that's what we've always done. And our parents used to take us and now we take our kids or whatever it may be. Tal vez así es como se siente Dios cuando venimos a la iglesia solo porque es domingo y eso es lo que siempre hemos hecho. Friends, at the root of all reality is a God who is love. A God who loves us and does not require us to give him our love. But in a display of unbelievable vulnerability, this God desires our love. God wants to be loved by us. Dios desea nuestro amor. Now, we can come to church every Sunday. We can give our fixed amount, our tithe, our offering. Or we can even be on the leadership board and have our name on the bulletin and the website. We can sing all of the right songs or recite all of the right prayers. But really, if we're just going through the motions, what is the point? ¿Cuál es el chiste de hacer las acciones sin el amor auténtico para Dios? Jesus, in making the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with our strength, and with all our mind, he is challenging us to consider our attitudes. He is challenging us to consider why we do what we do. Is it out of love? Out of an authentic love with all of our hearts? Or is, that, is it out of a sense of duty? Out of a sense of duty to maybe keep the family happy? Or out of a sense of duty to not have my wife or my husband nag at me every Sunday? Or is it to keep up an appearance of something on the outside that doesn't match what is going on on the inside? Or do we do some of these empty rituals because we have convinced ourselves that they are what God wants, and if I do what God wants once a week on Sunday, then I can get God off my back and I can do whatever I want for the rest of the week. Friends, Jesus reminds us that God does not just want empty ritual or tradition or duty or custom, but God wants our love. God wants our very hearts. 
Dios desea nuestro amor auténtico en nuestros corazones. Because when we love God with our hearts, we will begin to love like God loves. And we will begin to love that which God loves with the most passion. God loves people. That is what he loves most in this entire creation. Cuando empezamos a amar a Dios con todos nuestros corazones, vamos a comenzar a amar como Dios ama. Y Dios ama a las personas, al prójimo. So that's the first of the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God. And the second is this. The scripture says in verse 31 and 32, you shall love the Lord your, your, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribes said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all of our heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all of the burnt offerings, all of the traditions. And when Jesus saw that, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Here at Sunrise Community Church, and Imago Church, which is the daughter of Sunrise, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to love God and love people. So I want us to practice this and say this together. So you'll repeat after me. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. You've just recited and memorized the entire law. Love God, love people. Now they are in this particular order for a reason. Because a true love of neighbor is a fruit of our love for God. When we love God with all our hearts, we get new hearts. Our hearts will begin to beat to the rhythm of God's heart. When we draw near to God, He will reveal to us those things that are in His heart. As the church, we are God's family. We are not just a building, but we are a body of people. Peoples, we are a people whose hearts are being made new. Being made new like God's heart. So that's why when we come to church on Sundays, it's not simply out of tradition. But the church service is not just a boring hour once a week where I can check off my done duty. But this is a mysterious event in which God makes old hearts into new hearts. And you thought you were just coming for the chicken lunch. No, God is making our old hearts into new hearts. Dios convierte los corazones viejos en corazones nuevos. So we'll conclude with this. I'll conclude first in Spanish and then in English. En conclusión, hermanos y hermanas, que amemos a Dios y amemos a nuestro prójimo, a las personas, y recibamos este mandato inesperado, este mandato impulsado por el mismo corazón de nuestro Dios, que es amor. Sunrise Community Church, brothers, sisters, friends, 
May we love God and love people and receive this unexpected command driven by the heart of our God, our God who is love. Let's pray together. Vamos a orar. Lord God, would you give us the courage to trust you? Danos, Señor, la valentía para seguir adelante confiando en ti. Would you take our hand wherever it is that we are on this journey? Some of us are taking our first steps in faith. Others are taking our next steps in faith. But wherever it is that we are, would you take our hand, Lord? Toma nuestra mano en este camino, Señor, este camino de la vida, este camino, camino del discipulado, de la vida espiritual. And God, as we take your hand, we know that we are safe, we are secure, we are forgiven, and we are loved. Te damos gracias, Señor, por la seguridad que tenemos en ti. We pray all these things in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. Your life.
Amen. Our identity is in who God calls us, and we are loved by God, each and every one of us. Nuestra identidad es en lo que Dios nos ha llamado, y cada uno de nosotros estamos amados por Dios. Just a couple of reminders tonight, if we want to continue in fellowship, in worship, and in God's Word, we invite you to Imago Church at 5 p.m. That's at 4400 West Tulare Avenue in Visalia. And immediately after service, we have our chicken lunch to support our students and our youth. And that will be happening right outside. So we invite everyone to, to come out, support, buy a, a chicken lunch, and support our youth. Friends, as we go out, would you receive this blessing? Reciban esta benedicción y bendición. Que la gracia de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, que murió y resucitó, el amor de Dios Padre y el compañerismo y fidelidad del Espíritu Santo, que esté con nosotros ahora y para siempre. May the grace of our living Lord Jesus Christ, who came, died, and rose again to give us new life, the love of God the Father, who loves us like a good father, and the fellowship and faithfulness of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.